the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Brian fills in Aubrey on what she missed in the real world last week. And later, we're joined by Philip France Sr. You're listening to The Common Good. Common Good on this Tuesday evening. My name is Audrey Sampson alongside my co-host, Brian Fromm. You can hear in my voice, I sound a little sick. I'm not sick. I just was screaming on roller coasters last week <laughs> because I took my son to the big theme parks at Disney in Florida. Still haven't recovered my voice yet, but Brian, we were talking about how I was in sort of a Disney bubble, a vacation bubble last week. I was not on social media. I was not online. I wasn't even answering emails trying to get as unplugged as possible because of that. I like literally missed everything happening in the real world. So I thought this would be fun for Brian to fill me in on what I missed last week. So this will be a new segment. Brian fills Aubrey in on the real world. I like it. First of all, we do need to uh, discuss the spot that you, you have just, um, you've just rejected my advice to you. And, and I, I saw your social media post that you're leaving yes, for the week. I, you declared yes. to the world. I, have I, do at least, I do at least take some comfort that I know as you were posting that you thought about me and I you did. went, I thought about he's you to see this. Yeah. He's going to see this. He's going to say something about it. I don't care. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> He's going to see it and I don't care. Yeah. What, what, what Brian's talking about, if you don't know, is I, I post on social media that I'll be taking a break from social media or some version of that. And Brian right. thinks that's unnecessary and kind of over the top. So it's say, been a funny take joke. The break. Yeah. He, yes, he would yes, say, yes. just take the break. And I say, I like the people to know. I like, I like my followers <laughs> to know. I haven't forgotten about you. I'll be back. <laughs> I'll be back. <laughs> so, uh, I, I want to highlight two stories, but there were uh, – you did miss some big stories, right? Like I'm trying to remember, before you left, had former President Trump been arrested over the uh, the document stuff uh, like that? Arrested? He had been – Or charged. Sorry, charged. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know my which legal terms are right ones to use. So He had been charged and the SBC convention had started, but that was about – those were like – that was kind of as far as I got. Oh, so you missed the SBC convention. Mm-hmm, I did. And did you not follow any of that? No, not at all. Nope. Oh, Aubrey, I nope. if you had been here, I think you would have driven down there. <laughs> I think you would have been so mad by what happened. We actually <laughs> uh so oh well I wasn't gonna start there, but uh Rick Warren's church, he knew this was gonna happen, but they were uh the whole vote about whether to let them back in uh, uh-huh. over the issue of women pastors law. He was defeated 89% to 11%. Wow. And then the conservative wing, I would say of the Southern Baptist convention really took hold and they put forth an amendment that many people, they don't, we're going to need to talk to Bob Smetana at some point about this yeah. to really flesh this out. But Aubrey, 
this amendment basically, if it passes, it has to go, it has to be passed two years in a row or something okay. like that. I don't know. Any church that has any woman pastor at all is going to get kicked out. No. Gone. They no. went super conservative. No. Even uh, like children's pastor? Any titled pastor. You're any. Kidding. Use of the word pastor. They drew a line in the sand so you much further than anybody expected that so people that don't. So that one church where the the woman has been the pastor for a very long time oh. out, mm -hmm. out now or like will be out. So they had already been kicked out. Disfellowshipped is the word, like Saddleback, right? Like they had already been disfellowshipped. The vote that happened then was whether or not to overturn that, and oh. both votes by a lot um were no they remained disfellowship no I'm but glad then I this amendment attention. this amendment went forth that moved the bar like the the southern baptist convention put their line in the sand and it was yeah, more did. conservative than most people thought was coming and so the question is this is yeah we got to get bob smetana on here you're Oh, I can't. Oh, you didn't see that. I should have sent you every article. It would have ruined your. Uh, no, I'm so glad. I'm so glad I didn't see it. Oh, but, what a, how what a what a weird what a weird step in the wrong direction and like a hundred years back in time and like why like really really this was, is uh, this the hill you're gonna die on okay sexist it, it was uh it, wow. it's gonna have ramifications and you know a lot of it played out on twitter which was always fun but yeah. there was a time where rick warren got up and he spoke uh and uh then albert moeller got up and responded to him it was like these heavyweights of wow on the floor it was, wow. it was interesting wow uh, i saw work. i saw somebody was had sent me like an apology from rick warren like to all the women and how he'd yeah, like he's, you know take he a poor, say poor text out of out of context instead of doing the work to see what was actually happening in the early church but I just, I don't know. I kind of like, yeah, I know. I've lived it. Okay, great. I'm glad you're sorry. Let's move on. It, you just, know? it just went, it went a lot further than, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe people expected this to happen there, but it was, uh, wow. it was interesting. So the beggar story that you missed that I, that Steve and I talked about last week. Uh, oh, I'm going to forget where it was. It was India. It was Pakistan. It was somewhere in that region. Uh, there was a funeral going on. For an older, uh, an old lady who passed away in the hospital, a funeral going on. And in the middle of the funeral, they heard knocking from no, inside no, the casket. No, 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 no. She was alive. They rushed to open the casket and she was alive. Now she wasn't doing well. It's, I, people, I made sure people didn't know that like, it wasn't like she sat up and was like, what are you all doing? But there was movement, not knocking. There was movement. Stop they it. could hear movement Stop within the it. casket. Stop it. So it reminds you also of like the different kind of health care and like because she'd been declared dead, but apparently wasn't dead. Was they were it? in the middle of the funeral. Are you kidding? And uh, heard this and uh, no. they quickly sat her up. Like they got her up and there was some no. pictures of it. I should say there has been conclusion to the story. A week later, she passed away. Oh, so okay. it wasn't okay. like she was fine. But can you imagine? <laughs> no, like I can't story. imagine from so many perspectives, like being at the funeral, hearing the knocking, but also being in the whatever she was in 
being like, oh, get me out of here. It is ever, it's awful. Another funeral story, wow. Aubrey, and we didn't actually talk about this one on the show. What? Like a TikTok influencer, a somebody of an online influence, whatever, one of these yes. online things. Yes. Guy faked his own funeral to see who showed up and then showed up at it in a helicopter. Wait. I, if no. I were a friend or family no. of that guy, I would have killed him. I would have been like, no. nope, we're gonna we're gonna have this funeral. Can you imagine the narcissism uh-uh. Uh-uh. of making people go through grieving uh-uh. and then showing up by helicopter to why? your own funeral? Was there a why behind it or no? He claimed he wanted to see who showed up and he wanted to know what they but it's just for attention. Ew. It's an inf- it's Ew. this whole weird world. That is so wild. Speaking wow. of speaking of people trying to like make a name for themselves and influencing Aubrey, most importantly, <laughs> Meghan Markle and Harry, they were booted by Spotify. Okay, so I heard a little bit about this. So what happened? We might do a little bit more of this okay. later in the week. Okay. But according to one uh uh one uh, executive at Spotify, I'm going to have to use, I'm going to have to cover up the word oh. he used because oh. it was a, he called Meghan Markle and Harry effing grifters. <gasps> That's what you've been saying, Brian. Oh, said they whoa. were getting paid millions upon millions of dollars and For it nothing? got to the point where they weren't showing up uh-uh. and that Meghan Markle was even there was a report that she was doing interviews where her assistant did the interview no. and then they added her asking the questions later no Un- that they didn't do nearly the number they said they were going to do aubrey i feel like i have been vindicated yeah, I have been vindicated you, you by my take been. on Meghan Markle. You might have been. This is what I mean. You haven't used those explicit words, but that Nor is what you've I. been saying. That's what you've been saying this whole time. Well, we'll ha- definitely have to come back and talk about that later. Because well, Brian, I am right. I they, am right. So yeah, there you go. Uh, okay. Person in a coffin wow. who wasn't dead. Person <laughs> in a helicopter who wasn't dead. Megan and Harry, still bad people. All of that gets above the SBC convention. Now wow. you're back with us. I am. Um, I now I need to go on vacation again after hearing <laughs> that news. Thank you for filling me on on what I missed in the real world last week. Aubrey and I are thrilled to be joined again by Keith Meyer. Keith is a pastor at Harvest Baptist Church in Salisbury, Maryland. You might remember we had Keith on before the Southern Baptist Convention meetings last week in New Orleans to kind of not just preview, but talk about the amazing work he did in raising money to bring abuse victims down there. And uh, we told Keith, we'd love to have you back on afterwards to just hear how it went, to hear the stories. And so uh, we are thrilled to be joined by Keith Meyer. Keith, how you doing, friend? Doing good. Doing good. Just uh, kind of still unpacking and yeah. recovering and thinking yeah. through all that happened. It it's even though the convention's only two days, it um, it it feels like a week. Yes, wow, I, I can bet imagine. It does. And no better way to unpack and process than on the radio. So thanks for coming on. <laughs> uh, and Keith, let's start with what you were most passionate about. Last time we had you on, you had raised money to correct me if I'm wrong to bring abuse victims down to the convention. Uh, so how did the conversation go around abuse victims, reforms, the continued investigations? Did you feel satisfied with how that went? I think that the um, I, I am 
I'm, I'm satisfied because I don't think we took any steps backwards. Uh, okay. There were a few, uh, there's been some confusion over whether or not there's uh, going to be adequate due process in this, mm. um, in this, what's, what's called category four, which is uh, when a church initiates an investigation or somebody initiates an investigation. And um, so because law enforcement so, so often fails to, um, to either prosecute or the justice system fails to, follow through on certain cases. Uh, one of the things that, that we've wanted to allow for is, is for churches to be able to conduct their own investigations using established third parties. And, uh, and there were some people who had some due process concerns about that. Um, but, but, uh, there, there, there've been some pretty, um, elaborate discussions about that behind the scenes. Okay. And, and, and while it hasn't gotten much attention there, uh, the, the task force has planned for there to be a legal review panel and a, a bunch of layers of, of protection to make sure that we're, we're not making false accusations in the database. Okay. That was kind of the only thing that, uh, was, was, was questioned. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, it, so, so there was a, uh, there was a, a general feeling of, uh, heading into the, into the meeting on Tuesday morning, there was a feeling that things could go any direction. Yeah. But but um, the night before we had had an update at a at an event um, for associational leaders, you know, the uh, the eleven hundred local associations of the convention and the chairman of the, the task force, Marshall Blaylock, gave an update there. And everybody in the room, everybody was sympathetic, positive, mm-hmm. encouraging, mm-hmm. like ex- it, um, ready to do the work. and. Wow. For me, that really became kind of the the, the barometer of the week uh, because because all the decisions I think went the right way, which was encouraging. Good. Oh, Good. so yeah, that's yeah. great. It's great news. And then Keith, I you know I don't know how to even bring this up, but obviously this other major decision around women in pastoral leadership, the SBC, it seems like a line was drawn in the sand that some people were ready for, and some people were like, whoa, 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 whoa. Um, I told Brian and told you off air that I was on vacation last week. And so I'm just sort of catching up on all of this, but from your perspective, talk to us about that and how you're processing it now. Uh, I think that um, historically, you know, or at least uh, for the last uh, 30 years or so, there's been a, there's been an understanding that, um, that the office of pastor is reserved for males in the, um, that's what the Baptist faith, the message says. But when, when this, um, when they when they updated this statement of faith in uh, in 2000, uh, there was confusion. I think about whether or not this applied to senior pastors or mm-hmm. all forms of pastor. And mm. so, um, and if you go back and look at interviews and things, that those are the statements that were made that that it was you know we're not going to tell congregations or churches who you know what their what their internal leadership structure should look like, and so. Um, there has been a push to to uh, to amend the constitution to make this yeah. a, a constitutional effort. Now, our our executive committee, when they brought the motion out, they uh, they they put it on the floor for the messengers because they wanted the messengers to decide to decide not to decide as a committee, and they they yeah. put it out with a a qualification saying that they didn't recommend the move. Oh. It was. It was interesting because almost immediately after the motion came to the floor, somebody amended it 
so that it it said Hmm. that churches should only um should should only employ males as qualified by scripture as pastors i think men as qualified by scripture um i don't quite think that people understand exactly what's happened Hmm. because Hmm. what what's our history has been that um that churches get to choose and employ their own pastors mm-hmm. and and that the convention doesn't establish who a pastor is now here's here's what's happened mm. if we pass this constitutional amendment on a second reading if we go to indianapolis in 2024 and we affirm this again that means that somebody can report me to the credentials committee and say that i'm not qualified by scripture to be a pastor and then the credentials committee has to investigate me i i don't oh think gosh. that anybody really realizes that that this is what's happened. Um, hmm. So, so the nature of our cooperation uh, is is changing. It there there yeah. there is cause for concern. Um, I think that it. I think what it reflects is that there are there are a lot of different beliefs and perspectives within the SBC and making these kinds of decisions in in a meeting in two days without a lot of discussion and study is 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 not wise yeah um if i could if i could say one other thing um please a a friend of mine uh jared kernut uh submitted a resolution i i think it's resolution five you can find them on sbc net um and there this this resolution was called um I think it's on the appreciation of of women and the fulfillment of the Great Commission, and so uh, to to maybe temper some of the discussions or um, to to kind of under undergird, hey, w- what does the convention really believe about mm-hmm. the role of women? Uh, Jared wrote, submitted this, and uh, and we voted on it as a uh, as a convention to to say that we believe that that women are essential and critical in fulfilling the great commission. Yeah. And, uh, so it's, it's kind of interesting that, that all of these different things yeah. happened in the meeting. Wow. Uh, you have a, you have an affirmation of the importance of women. You have a, a vote to change the constitution, to restrict the office of pastor to men. And you have a renewal of a, of a task force to, um, to, uh, to, to continue abuse reform, all of which, um, I think are, are, are areas which, which overlap. Um, and and so, uh, it, it's kind of like, okay, what did we do there? And let's, let's sort this all out. Um, so, yeah. Uh, probably an unfair question with only a minute or two left, but I, I sense concern in your voice. Clearly you love the SBC. I sense your processing and this and that. Did you leave there concerned for the denomination as a whole? Does it feel unified or does it feel like, gosh, something kind of, seismic might be happening here that could even split it up you know i think the meeting serves as a pressure release valve i I really do we we are we are an extremely public denomination we broadcast everything that we do Mm -hmm. there are no secret meetings um in terms of 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 our decision making um so the meeting kind of serves serves as an opportunity to to blow off some steam but uh but I, i i do think that there are there are questions um that um that could determine the future of our of our work together uh everybody it it seems like every everybody at some point in a conversation about the future mentions that there could be a split 
Um, at this point, uh, it's anybody's guess what it would be over, but gotcha. um, we gotcha. we could we could split. Gotcha. So. Keith. Super excited for you coming on, man. I appreciate it. And I also yeah, appreciate thanks, your work Steve. on Twitter. You were you were giving people smiley faces on the uh on at the SBC convention. Having some fun, it looked like at least on yes. Twitter. <laughs> and and I was I was super excited that by by Wednesday afternoon, um, when people were going to the microphones, you could see smiley faces on their lanyards. If you watch the the video, <laughs> they they start to show up. Yeah. That's hey, awesome. send me send me your address and I'll send you guys smiley face Done. buttons. I'm I'm we'll sending take them out. Him. We'll take them. Yeah. Done. Done. Keith Meyer, again, friend of the show, pastor of Harvest Baptist Church in Salisbury, Maryland, giving us a little bit of a report, some mm -hmm. reflection on what happened down in New Orleans at the Southern Baptist Convention meetings. Keith, always appreciated, man. Thanks for spending some time with yeah, us. Yeah, thanks for being thanks here. Thanks so much for having me on. We are so thrilled today to be joined by the pastor of Living Grace Church in Linwood, Illinois. That's Pastor Philip France Sr. And he's got a really, really cool uh, event happening this summer at his church, the Summer Leadership Academy that we're going to talk to him about. So Pastor Phil, thanks so much for being here with us today. I'm very thrilled to be here, guys. I'm glad you have me. Thank you so much, Brian and Aubrey. Absolutely. All right. So before we dive into the Summer Leadership Academy, Pastor Phil, can you tell us just a little bit about your church in general? Yeah, we uh, we got a couple of great milestones this year. Uh, 20 years of uh, serving the community in Linwood. Mm. Uh, I've been there all that time. Thank God he's given me health and strength. And also, uh, interesting, another dynamic, 40 years of marriage. My God. My Amen. Oh, he's tolerated me for 40 years. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so 2040. Awesome. 20, I always like to say 2040. I, got, I got twice as many years uh, in marriage than in ministry, then I'll be twice as good as a as a father, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> that's good. I oh, love that's that. So true. And, and Phil, as Aubrey mentioned, you guys have a summer leadership academy at your church, which looks phenomenal. It is. It, it looks like it's targeted towards youth. Can you tell us just the background of this? How did this summer leadership academy come to be? Well, one of the things that I always was taught, I had a great pastor. Uh, his name was Bishop Brazier, uh, Pastor Bishop Brazier at a church called the Apostolic Church of God. It's a, a hallmark church that's been in the in existence for probably 60, 70 years. That when oh, wow. I left that church and uh, the Lord called me to my own ministry, the membership was rivaling 20,000 members. So it's a Whoa. huge church. And the reason why I brought that up is because when I became a member uh, I think I was there about 22 years. The church community was was for, for pretty much ghetto. I mean, it was pretty much mm. blight. Mm. But after uh, the efforts of the church, it literally changed the community. If you went through right around 63rd, uh, 63rd and Dorchester, it's around 63rd and Stony Island. It's not too far from Hyde Park. Mm -hmm. You have nothing but new homes there now, condominiums, wow. homes, businesses. All of that is to say that the church is supposed to be uh, transformative. The church is supposed to make the neighborhood better. Yes. If, uh, we would always say if, if the ch if neighborhood is not better because of you, then why are you there? I mean, mm. our job is to transform the environment. And so, therefore, that was our goal all, all the, uh, for the last at least 15 years. And that is how can we make a difference within the community in which we're part of, and especially since the adversary is targeting young people. Hmm. Uh, as you guys probably know, the stats are pretty phenomenal. Drugs and gun violence are the two number one issues hmm. uh, for our, the United States of America right now in mm -hmm. communities. And so 
as you well know, it's an equal opportunity employer. It's everywhere. I mean, yeah. I don't care right. how, if you're in Lincolnshire, I mean, if you're Orland Park or mm-hmm. in, in Chicago Heights, which is one of the poorest communities in the country, it's all there. And so we wanted to go into the community, work with this. And this was our strategy, working with the superintendents and the principals and helping uh, them to understand that we're there to help them. Hmm. So that meant that we needed to understand their challenges. And they uh, are all focused on this term called social emotional learning. Mm-hmm. And that basically means you can't learn unless you deal with the social and emotional issues. And it's kind of like, how can you, quite frankly, learn if you're dealing with food insecurity? Right. You know, how can you learn when bullets are flying all around your home? Mm. How can you learn if you're being evicted? You know, all mm. of these different things directly impact the social and emotional aspects of young people. And then we wanted to start with the group that would be a little more moldable, meaning we wanted to focus on the middle school kids, okay. you know, the, the sixth, seventh and eighth graders, because I got three grown kids and I remember mm. how the kids were in high school. You know, they think they know everything. You're yes. 17 <laughs> years old. Or, you know, you, you can't tell them anything, right? So, yes, that's right. <laughs> you know, they're grown, right? Or at least they think they are. <laughs> so, so we focused on that group. And we tried to understand the perspective of the superintendents, the leaders, the administrators first before we came up with programmatic activities hmm. to address it. And so that's how we started. And we uh, bridged that divide between what they call separation of church and state. That became actually a non-issue. Wow. And the reason why it was a non-issue is because there are too many issues that the schools are dealing with. They need help. Yeah. They need people in the community. So what we did was we bridged the the divide between the education sector, the business sector, Hmm. and here's a big one, the public safety entity. So Hmm. we went to the police department. We went to the businesses and said, hey, guys, we have a common issue. And that is we need to create a solution for our future. And our future for our young people is not just the future. It's now. Hmm. We got to come up with answers to fix the problem. So what we did is we partnered with them, we strategized, and we came up with this five-week curriculum. And the curriculum deals not with uh, issues of um, <clears throat> language arts. That's what the schools are for. We're dealing with life skills. You know, how do you deal with the challenges of bullying? Hmm. You know, how do you deal with the challenges of trafficking and wow. carjacking? Wow. And here's a big one interacting with the police officers, Mm. you know, this whole issue of authority, you know, respecting police officers and, and, and the reverse, the police officers, uh, officers respecting you. Uh, And how can you create that climate of relationship? Cause you, you all know that it's all about relationships. So if you have no relationship, how can you really have a congenial interaction? When right. someone pulls you over. So right. all of those things, guys, are part of this curriculum for That's the five amazing. weeks. And then one last one before I'm sure you guys have some questions on it. There was another piece that I really wanted to be integral to it. And that is to bring the youngsters into a college setting hmm. before they even get to high school. And so oh, wow. DePaul University is part of this as well. For a solid oh, cool. week, uh, you know, 40, 50 kids will be bused to uh, the North Campus of DePaul University, and the entire emphasis is on STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math. 
and they're learning robotics and coding and those things that are uh, awesome. that are technical but yet practical the way they're wow. doing it they're teaching it in a practical way and so all of that is part of this five-week curriculum oh pastor phil that's amazing i i i would love to know you know for our listeners how can they find out more like is there a website is there a general location how can they because this is so incredible i'm sure people have a ton of follow-up questions for you how can they find out more about the summer leadership academy Sure. It's on our website, uh, www.living-grace.org. Again, www.living-grace.org. You have the opportunity to sign up uh, if you're interested. It's going to ask a series of questions and also donations. I mean, this is a pretty expensive Mm -hmm. endeavor, as you can imagine. All All of the expense, by the way, is borne by Living Grace. We are asking uh, the people to pay $350 a kid, okay? Uh, and if you do summer school, uh, just assessment of pricing, that's a steal. You know, it's it's little to nothing. And we have several kids that just can't afford it. The families, uh, you know, they're just challenged. And so yeah, if our, some of our listeners would like to contribute, we would love to have your support. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Dr. Philip France Sr., Pastor Philip France Sr., Pastor of Living Grace Church, in Lidwood, we've been talking with him about this Summer Leadership Academy, which sounds amazing. Be sure to check it out at their website. Be sure to offer whatever support you can. And you can listen to Pastor Phil every single day here on AM 1160 at 1.30. Pastor Phil, thanks so much for being here with us today. Thanks, guys, for having me. Have a great a great day, okay? You, you too. For Brian Fromm, I'm Aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.